Hello, I'm James Wrigley. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, there's been a bit of a break in between uh, this episode and the previous one that I posted. It was me just being slack more than anything. I've got a few episodes here ready to go. Uh, this one today uh, is the audio from a lunchtime live I did a little while back with Jonathan Chan. Jonathan uh, is a reseller and reselling coach. Uh, so he buys uh, goods often in bulk resells them on eBay is his place of choice um, hobby model cars trains those kind of things uh, it's a six-figure business something that some people can take up as a bit of a, a side hustle uh, Jonathan shares some tips he also has a coaching business as I mentioned a really interesting chat and something that I've dabbled in listing a few things around the house on Facebook or eBay over the last few years and just uh, saving up a bit of cash that way. So hope you enjoy this one. See you soon. There we go. We're live. Um, hey, we're, we're on. We're live. Get get uh, in serious face now. Um, just gone. Just gone. Twelve thirty on a, on Friday. Um, the weeks the weeks flown by. Uh, back for another lunchtime live. I've asked Jonathan Chan to come along and join me. Today, Jonathan, thank you for for joining me and spending a little bit of time over over lunchtime. Um, I guess we'll we'll get to what you what you do, and and as I said before, we press live. I kind of personally find it really fascinating that you you're making a living from from reselling things, and um, you know, uh, we spoke about Gary V, and and he's all about about doing that kind of stuff too. So we'll get we'll get to that in a second, but but maybe we'll start with where where are you at the moment? Where you at home by the looks of things yes so i am in flintry gully um and i know you because chris one of your colleagues and i go to um fresh networking together so we're part of the same networking group in scoresby yep yep how does how does the networking group work for you from from a reselling point of view how, do, how does that all tie together can you talk about that sure so i actually used to be a mortgage broker and i was right. a mortgage broker for about six six years and then when I decided after the Royal Commission that I no longer wanted to build mortgage broking as a business, um, I decided to try and replace my wife's income by flipping stuff. Yeah. And managed to do that before Matt Lee started. So it was like a it was like a nine month smart goal, if you will. And um, we did six figures in sales with one eBay store. And essentially, it was like, all right, there's obviously more business potential from this. You say in week one? No, no, no. Um, in nine nine months oh wow yeah no, 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 nine months nine months so it was very organic um it and essentially it as a business person i saw um more potential for it as a business mm. than broking because broking for me i guess i never liked the fact that it was kind of under the one it was always in you know it's tied to the one business with reselling yeah. you can sell you can have a toy shop you can have a clothing shop you can yeah. strip it down to one store when you don't want to do it anymore and then scale it back up again to five or six and so once I saw that, um, the pivot was with networking, uh, coaching. So that's what uh, The Meaningful Hustle, which is my new business, is all about. It's about coaching people how to do that. Um, and also, I think with the nine months that we had, it was $2,000 worth of cash and just hustle. So driving everywhere, picking up stock um, yeah. and realizing that it's a very forgiving way of getting into business for anyone, really. You know, you don't have to get into debt to start this, start this kind of business. You can do it at your own pace. And once you get to a point where it's generating a good income, you kind of hold that position for a while because everyone else has to go through that same amount of effort to yeah. get to where you are. Yeah. 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 
So were you doing, when you were mortgage broking, were you doing that from home or you're based out of an office? Home as well. Okay. So you've been at home for a while then. It's it's all, it's all Six new. Six years. <laughs> Almost yeah. seven years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how, how, you obviously don't mind working from home. How do you find it all? It required a lot of discipline. Still does. Yeah. Uh, I've got a four-year-old now at home who we, we've kept from childcare. Uh, mm. And I've got a four-month-old. So I would say that this is a perfect time for a life because they're having lunch at the other corner of the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, nice and nice and quiet in the room where you are now. Uh, yep. Both both of my kids aren't here at the moment, which is which is handy. I have had I did one of these lives uh, last last week, and uh, they were it started with banging on the door. Then all of a sudden, the door opened, and they, they came barking <laughs> in and screaming. It. Uh, you just have to own it. You just have to own it, don't you? Yeah, exactly. You can't, well, everyone's in, in the same boat. Everyone's, you know, working from home. You've done it for a whole lot longer than most others, but everyone's working from home with their families around. Um, yeah, a bit of, bit of a challenging time. Uh, so I guess what what's your, do you have like a routine? Do you have like a, you know, this is work time, this is this is home time, play time? Like what, what does your day look like? I'm a bit of a workaholic. So okay. there there isn't much of a, a clear line between you know here is work time and here is play time but that being said um for me it's about putting in putting in place things that allow you to be present in the thing that you're doing mm. so for me like i found that when i was you know trying to work set hours and then spend certain hours with the kids um it my brain would always be elsewhere anyways so i found that didn't really work for me okay. but by not having an Apple Watch, for example, and turning off all my notifications, uh, essentially, if I'm not with my phone, my brain's not at work. Mm. Or when I'm with my phone, my brain's very much at work. And so I think yeah, that that was probably the biggest thing for me actually with with the with the kids being home, my wife on mat leave currently as well. Um, when I'm with them, I'm with them, and when I'm not with them, I'm not with them, even though we're in the same space. It's interesting you say that, and I'm kind of, it's kind of dawning on me at the moment. Like when I'm during the work day, um, I've got my I'm carrying my phone around with me the whole time. So if I'm not sitting at the at the computer here, you know, the instant messaging service that we use, it dings on my phone, or the emails come through, the phone still rings, and I'm 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 kind of trying to be present with the with the kids at certain times during the day, but I find myself with my head in my phone, and and it, clearly it's because I've got my phone in my hand. I need to. Yep. <laughs> you just said and leave it leave it here in the in the makeshift office that I've set up in one of the kids' bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, forget about it. If I'm going outside to kick the ball for half an hour, just just leave it and and, and come back to it. I mm-hmm. need to I need to do that myself. Thank you for <laughs> for that. Um, so you, you you touched on, I guess you touched on what you're doing for work for for, for a living now. Uh, was was that when your wife went on mat leave with the second child or the first child? You decided to do that. Second child. So the first. I'll probably go back to when I was 12 years old, right? The first time I remember flipping something was I was 12 years old and Pokemon cards first came out in Malaysia. Um, And as you do, kids go to tuition. So we have tuition outside the class at that age in Malaysia. And um, I I just inherited a box of cards from a cousin. Hmm. And I had a Charizard in there. And some of you watching this will be like, ooh, Charizard. So it was a really rare card, right? And I remember uh, this kid said to me, I would pay $50 for this card. And back then when you're when you're 12, you know, you, you, you get 10 bucks a week maybe from your parents, yeah. right? And so I remember saying, no, you're a liar. So a typical 12-year-old thing, like, you're a liar. No, you're not. Uh, I've got it. No, you don't. A week later, I rock up with the cart and he has $50 and we switch. Yeah. And 
and I think, yeah, like since that day, I remember um, the, the the concept of people have the same money as me um, disappeared. Like, like, I don't know what you have. If you said to me, you have a million dollars, I would be more than happy for you to show it to me. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I wouldn't go, nah. So I think that made me realize that people will always pay for the thing they want. And mm. so that it was um, NBA cards, it became jerseys, it became iPhones, it became toys, it became shoes, it became, yeah, mm. my life. So you're, you're, doing, you're doing this kind of the, like f for many years before you decided that, hey, let's let's actually make this a full-time gig. Like, correct, like correct. Yeah. And, so, and so it was a case of like doing it for maybe, you know, $1,000 a month extra just for fun, right? Mm. And then when my son got into Thomas the Tank Engine trains, I went on eBay and I realized that there were very, there were lots of very, very small sellers, but no one that actually had more than 300 listings. And I thought, if I can get a thousand listings on eBay, um, I'd, I'd have the larger shop. And my thoughts were, where can I then go find more of these? So then I started buying them yeah. from ads, just big, you know, 80 liter tubs for $100 at $2 a piece. Um, mm. And then I, Toys R Us closed down about two years ago as well, if you remember. Yeah. So that really helped because then parents would go to Target and after exploring the four random ones on the shelf, they'd end up in my shop. Yeah. And so the brand new price was about 15. I'd pay about two to four dollars each and I charge between 10 and 20, depending on how rare it was. Mm. And now I'm charging between 15 and 30 because of no one else actually having any stock, even in the reselling yeah. market. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you think of that and then you multiply that by three to four hundred trains a month, you've got a six-figure business. Yeah, it's incredible. So we, yeah, how, with, with um, like with 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 Toys R Us going out of out of business and those kind of things, we were you able to like some pick up some stock from there? Like how do how do you come across how do you come across having the three hundred Thomas the Tank Engine trains? Okay, so the I used to I used to be really frustrated with friends who wanted to start a business but always struggled to find a product, and oftentimes they would go to wholesale, they want to make something in China. Uh, but I say to them, you'd still be competing with the primary market because it's a brand new item and you don't have the skill of the of a big store like a Bunnings or a Toys R Us or whatever. So ultimately, you're, you're, you're saving the cost of being in a shop by putting it online, but then you still got to pay for the SEO to put it online. So I've always been about the used market because you, con you compete with the primary market by having a range that no longer is sold in the primary market. Okay. So think of your collectibles mentality. But forget about 10 years, 20 years ago. Just talk about last year, right? Like there were 10 trains released last year that were not, that were not released this year. And mm -hmm. if you want to buy them brand new, you can't. There's already a 20% premium on the brand new price for last year's item. But they'll still pay close to the brand new price for the secondhand version of last year's item. And they just keep doing it, you know? So when you think of yeah. something like Thomas trains that have been around since you were a kid, mm -hmm. there's, there's a range that's about 300 wide. And if you've got about five deep in each one, you're more or less set for about a year or two. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And so, do you, you you run it you run it all through one store, or do you have like stores that are, you know, toys and collectibles, ones trading cards, ones clothing, what whatever different whatever, ones. whatever. Yeah, different ones. So okay. we've got the Thomas trains, and then we've got um, gaming things. So like your, yeah. how old are your kids? Uh, six and three. Do they play with those things that require portals with the console? No, we haven't yet got a console in this house. <laughs> okay, so there are these toys called Skylanders and Disney Infinities that you put on a on a portal. So they're like plastic toys with an NFC chip in it. Yeah, and essentially you put in the portal and it connects to a game and then it comes to life, right? So it's that that experience. Mm. And 
but the the principles are the same. It's a really wide range. They don't sell them in the shop anymore. But all these kids get get these toys handed down to them, and then they go, "Wait, the game tells me there's a figure, and I don't have it in the lot that got given to me by my cousin." Straight to eBay. So that's mm. the second that I do. And then there's the comic books, and then there's the trading cards, and then there's the clothing, which is just like a bit of a dabbling thing. I wanted yeah. to know how many ways could you describe a skirt? And so, yeah. <laughs> just out of curiosity, just figure out can I can I sell women's jeans and <laughs> yeah give it a go no the, the the trading like the, the the comic books is that the same kind of idea that you're you're picking them up in the used market somewhere to then re relist them on, yep. on your store yeah yeah okay yeah so i picked up three thousand for 30 cents a piece about three months ago and i thought to myself i have to make money have to yeah. and so the experiment has been going on for about two months now. Mm. Um, we've sold about 50 of them so far, and we have made about half our money back already. So the average yeah. profit on a 30 cent investment per, per book is about $4. Yeah. Who sells 3,000 comic books at one, in one go? We, we, in the reselling community, we call it death piles, right? You either see them yeah. as profit piles or death piles. So a death pile is just a pile of stuff that you've accumulated that you thought had value, and one day you just decided, this is shit. I don't want it anymore. Ah, okay. And in this case, it was a it was someone who drove to, who who was tired of collecting comics one by one, ended up driving to driving their pickup truck to Tasmania, mm. to pick it up pick up pick up what they wanted as part of a bigger collection, and then they thought they could sell the collection and keep the things they wanted, but then essentially they they managed to sell all the really expensive comic books, and was still left with about three thousand that had profit to be made but they just couldn't be stuffed anymore yeah okay yeah so like so so within the kind of reseller community you 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 become aware of there's three thousand comic books up for sale who want who wants them kind of thing yep. yeah and generally the bigger the lot as you probably would guess the hard, the slower it is to move so oftentimes you know they put it up for you know a couple thousand dollars and you just knock it back down about a grand and you go yep on that per unit i can make money yeah okay. um and also i think like it, it's very much a perspective. It's like if you think of the world as your supplier, because mm. in, in, in reselling, the world very much is your supplier, um, there are no limits to what you can sell. And essentially, every you start to see people do what you do um, from scrapping yards. A scrapping yard is a reselling business, if you mm. think about it. True. You know, they, they're just accumulating all the cars in the world, putting into a spot and going, have your go at it, and we'll charge you by weight or by the part if we know what it's worth. Yeah. Um, Yes, yeah, so, so that, that's like, uh, I'll give you a funny story. When I was when I was doing really well with the trains and I started to realize um, what had more value and what didn't, uh, I was at church one morning and we're part of the kids team at church. So we do like the preschool and we got this lot of toys that came through and I said to my wife, hey, um, there's this train in that lot. Do you reckon I could take it and just swap it for something else? Because the kids aren't going to care. I mean, they're like, and she went, no, it's church. <laughs> Don't do it. Went, no, no. Like, like, what if I do like a one for five? Yeah, I'll give like, you five. I'll give you. I'll, I'll give five back, right? I've got all these duplicates that I don't care. I don't care for. But this is one. It's still there, by the way. And and she just went, look, church. Once you get through the door, you take the take those glasses off. No, yeah, <laughs> it's all yeah. it's. Yeah. But it just it just it just emphasizes the fact that when you view the world as your supplier, suddenly making profit is really easy. Suddenly asking the question, where can I find more of this thing mm -hmm. that I've just sold once? Can I do it 10 times a week? Can I do it 10 times a day? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
And so now you've, you've moved it, you've moved in, you're saying at the start to more like a, like a, a coaching, helping other people do the same kind of thing. What, what does that look yep. like? So it's two months in the making at the moment. I'm yep. looking to launch in the next week. Yep. Uh, essentially the, the first course that we're running is helping people to learn how to buy. So we're doing buying a hundred items for a thousand dollars and then working out how long it takes to sell each item understanding the differences between the 100 items that you buy really more of an eye-opening exercise to see you know what if you sold a pair of glasses what you get back uh, mm. and then once you take that that price you go back figuring out what you can buy it for and then seeing if there's a profit that's worthwhile repeating that process with a teacup with a spoon the toothbrush a used toothbrush if you want to i mean just do whatever right and <laughs> and for a thousand dollars ultimately as gary v would probably agree it's like if you try and buy 100 items with a thousand dollars you eventually have to pick something up for free yeah you eventually have to go to someone's hot rubbish, you know, swallow your pride, pick up a, a shelf and go, if I make five bucks on this, can I pick up a hundred mm. shelves in a month? You know what I mean? If I've got the space in my backyard, there's a guy in the States, by the way, who does this. He, he has, he picks up the trays from white goods, fridges, ovens, anything from hot, hot rubbish, right? It costs him nothing, um, but it's very easy to ship. And essentially because you can find the item with four words or less on eBay, um, you put, you put it in fridge, brand model name and shelf it's a replacement part business cost him nothing he has a warehouse that already stores his stuff anyways he just chucks it in the corner and then when someone goes i need a shelf that is broken for my fridge that was made in 1995 he just pulls it out and chips it out 100 bucks <laughs> that's it good on it just, yeah. it, it's just it's just people taking the, the time and, and as gary v says it's just kind of taking the time to to just go and do it like we had we've i'm, I'm sitting in in my younger son Jack's room, we've just bought him a, a regular size bed. It's over my shoulder here, and we'd organised the hard rubbish collection. And my wife said, "Oh, can we just, you know, get rid of the cot and get rid of this and get rid of that?" And I thought, "Hang on, let me just try even just Facebook Marketplace." And so, like, I, there was three things that I sold. Took a few photos, put them up on Facebook Marketplace, twenty dollars each. And like the next day, someone came and picked it up. So like, I had this, I had this you know, uh, catch all at the end to say, if no one wanted it, well, I was just going to put it out for hard rubbish. But I got 60 bucks for six photos and, and five minutes of posting it on, on Facebook yeah. and they came and picked it up the next day. Pretty yep. handy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, good on you. So what do you, what do you, you how long, what's the future? What's your plans? You're going to keep, just keep going? So the, the experiment I have in my head anyway is, is that if I can have one six-figure store, I don't see why I can't have 10 six-figure stores and a million-dollar business. So... Um, it involves staff and whatnot. But the, the point being that it's been such a, I look at the numbers, right? I have, I did the numbers for March. We, it took me a year to be the largest Thomas train store on eBay. 70% of all the sales we did. Um, I still don't know very much about the toy. And quite frankly, I don't think that's necessary. No. Um, um, it, it took $2,000 of agreed money between my wife and I flip it if you spend two grand you have to sell to get more money and then buy again mm -hmm. um but 30 grand and 200 kilometers a week on average over a year um and i was doing mortgage broking as well last year doing that so when i look at that as a business and i go it's very forgiving um people stress about knowing about something before they start a business and i can tell you that you don't have to yeah i know jack all about comic books quite frankly i don't even care if i know anything about comic books but all i know is that i, I know how to sell them now yeah. Uh, based on a very niche experience in toy trains. And the same with the gaming things. I've never played the game, 
but mm. I still sell about 50 to 100 units of it a month. Yeah. So I think like from a coaching point of view, it's really helping people to understand that it's not hard to make an extra thousand dollars a month. It's really not hard. Um, and actually, once you once once they have their first taste of it, it's like, why not five thousand? Why not ten? Why not open three different stores and make it thirty? You know what I mean? Like, for me to go from mortgage broking, which paid very well, um, and to enjoy that, I guess, let's call it status, if you will. It's a professional industry. It's it's viewed highly to doing this, which feels very backyard. But the numbers are there, and the security is there, and the fact that. I can confidently say no one will knock me off my Thomas perch for a while because I know the process it takes to get there, especially yeah. in COVID, right? It's like six months break because no one's going to go sourcing now. No. And I've seen this, like I've seen my stock stay at about this level because I know how to get stock without having to go pick it up. And all these people who aren't buying because they don't know how to do that. And, I, and I've noticed my prices going up, my sales numbers stay the same, but everyone else just isn't restocking. Yeah. You've just, you've so, just got clear water ahead of you for, for six months or more. Pretty much. Yeah. And so when I look at all that, I go, how many businesses can you start that has that potential, that upside, that little downside? And all it is really, it's about swallowing your pride, not having to attach to the fat of, you know, a, a nice office, a nice car, a nice bread. At the end of the day, we work to support our families. And I think that if there are people who understand that and want to achieve that, I can help them do it. Hmm. That's exactly it. We work to support our families. Forget about all the, <laughs> the brand and everything else. That's exactly it. Correct. So, so Jonathan, if, if anyone that's that, that's watching, um, if you've got any questions or want to reach out to Jonathan and know more about what he's doing, where can people find you? Obviously, we're here on LinkedIn. I'm streaming this to Facebook as well. Not that there are too many people connected on my Facebook page, but where can people find you if they if they want to know any more? Reach out to you. LinkedIn's the best because um, I think people are. It's it's not it's not noisy. LinkedIn is probably where um, I'm doing most of my work as well, as far as promoting okay. me what I do. Uh, I've got a Ask Me Anything campaign running, so to speak. Um, if you use the hashtag ResellAMA, um, R E S E L L A M A, you'll find uh, about three videos have been up at the moment, and they're coming. Uh, mm -hmm. The post to Ask Me Questions is still there, so if there are any questions you have, feel free to engage with that post. And yeah, I'll be making video responses to all of them, and it's been fun. All right. Great. Well, thanks for your thanks for your time today. Um, you kind of inspired me to go searching around the house to see what else I've got here that I can sell it and make a few extra dollars whilst I'm at home. Thanks for your time and uh, yeah, enjoy the time with your family. Thanks all. Thanks for the opportunity, James. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I really do appreciate it. Together, you and I, we've managed to get up to nearly 650 listens, which is quite amazing, getting there quite quickly. If you haven't already, it'd be fantastic if you could subscribe to the channel and or leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated. And I uh, hope you enjoy the next episode, which will be out shortly.